Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Crass Survival Podcast. I'm your handsome host, Mike. <laughs> today's damn it, I thought we were gonna get through that. With today's that dumpy co-host is Kurt. <laughs> Kurt oh, Hohan. You did you work out today? Let's let's. I know. Yeah, let's jump into this. Take right off your now. shirt and show me who's really <laughs> dumpy. Who's really a bowl of jello? I know. I need to get to the gym. I will be going to the gym today, though. I'm just kidding, man. You're handsome. I'm trying, dude. Yeah. You just call me bald. I'm like, no, man. It's the way my hair is growing. It's like, fuck. All right. I'm bald and fat. Whatever. It is what oh, it is, man. That was classic. It All right. It is what it is. So what are we talking about today on this glorious podcast? You know what's crazy is um, we've been doing a lot of analytics. Oh, we have. We've been measuring our own analytics, which good companies do, and uh, <laughs> especially. Uh, well, this is actually kind of funny because we were looking at our analytics. We're like, "How the fuck do we look at these? How do you look at the analytics for the podcast?" These we're are like, amazing analytics. Yeah, the Google box helped us out a lot. We were able to connect with some really smart people that were able to help us understand our. Yeah, the folks listening to our podcast and uh, what that means. So, well, we we actually, you know, we look at Joe Rogan and we're like, Joe Rogan's got like one of the top rated podcasts on on iTunes. Yeah, and we both listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, the amazing podcast, yeah. great podcast. Um, one of the other things that we look at is the fact that Joe Rogan's a millionaire on <laughs> by making a podcast. Yeah. I mean, he's a comedian too, so he makes. I mean, he does these shows and he's crushing it. Right. You know, I've always liked Joe Rogan, man. He's an awesome, he seems like an awesome dude. Yeah. He's got a good balance of uh, kind of conservative-based values, which kind of we are, but he's kind of a hippie in a lot well, of ways. Well, I feel like he's like, I, I, the more and more I hear, well, that we listen to politics, we don't really pay attention to that shit a whole lot. Yeah. But we're like realists, man. Like, I don't. He's a realist. I mean, yeah, exactly. Cool. Like, yeah. it's not skewed by some political opinion. It's just like, hey, this is what I think about life, and this is how I roll. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's kind of how we are. Um, have always been, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I was even thinking about it the other day. I was like, man, you know what? I, I'm going to register as an independent. Right. Because I want to, I want a subcategory. Like I want to, or I want another category completely. The <laughs> Bill Craft Tribe. Something smart ass. What? The, Gun- tra- the training subcategory? Well, hey, you know, <laughs> if you tuck back, technically yeah. you're... you're part tranny. Yeah. All right. No offense to trannies that listen to us. Yeah. We love you. Tranny. <laughs> anyway, I don't like how you sorry. said that. <laughs> that um, was kind of weird. Sorry. It wasn't weird at all. Um, North Korea. A big thing with North Korea is they're back on the table. Oh, they're, yeah. It's back yeah, on your the... Your people are fucking back. Dude, we're bipolar, dude. We're all bipolar. We're a little yeah. crazy sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we get you crazy. Guys get, yeah, you guys get excited and then you're like, no, meeting no. off. Why did you say it like that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um... So we went on an overland expedition this weekend. We did. On, Memor- on Memorial Day, actually, which we did. is really cool, man. You know, I actually posted a picture on Instagram because I wanted this to be real clear uh, about what I think about Memorial Day. So I don't... I think, you know, the older that I get and the longer that I've been out of the military, I do start to think back a little bit more uh, about the guys that we served with that didn't come home. And obviously, the, that was super impactful for both of us. It continues to be. And I think about their families a lot. Mike and I are both fully engaged in helping Gold Star Teen Adventures and uh, some other nonprofits out there to make sure we're still doing our part as, uh, you know, good members of the community of men we came out of. Um, But it was cool because we went up into the mountains and we fucking, we were living, man. Exercise and freedoms, man. Yeah, exactly. We were almost at 13,000 feet for several passes up in uh, 
north of Silverton, Colorado. One of them was um, California Pass. Which is above 13,000. It's like 13,003. Well, California is 12,960. Oh, like and then Hurricane and then Corkscrew. Near 13? Yeah. We did Corkscrew, what was it, Gulch or something like that? Yeah. Which was pretty badass. So basically... Super sketchy. <laughs> yeah, those trails... Yeah. yeah. Dude. <laughs> Mike had a, an asshole puckering experience yeah. in Utah, what, like a month and a half? month and a half ago or something yeah. and your your uh forerunner almost slid off the road i think we talked about that in another podcast yeah. or something maybe i don't know this shit all runs together but anyways you were taking those turns nice and slow and Dude. and the cool thing was it snowed on us it was it snowed. may 28th and it was snowing on us up in the high country in colorado which was pretty badass yeah up there if you make a mistake you're yeah. not coming yeah back you're not it. coming back yeah some of those trails are and we were actually discussing that because we were talking about overland stuff and we were like hopping out. We're like, could you imagine if you had a wider wheelbase vehicle hitting these narrow trails and then trying to, you know, if, I mean, if anything, if the road gives way or you're not paying attention and you sling that wheel over the side of the edge. I mean, there's places up there where, like you just said, you go off the edge, you're not coming back. Yeah. A lot of those, you know, the vehicles that we were using are reliable Toyota vehicles. Right. But we saw Broncos up there. We just saw some random stuff. You could, you can't even, you know, the thing about up there is you can't have a vehicle that's not capable. You have yeah. to have four wheel drive, absolutely. Yeah. At a minimum, you have to have good brakes. That's something that I learned. <laughs> very uh, on the way down, we yeah. lost. Um, we got down to Uray, which is Uray is only five thousand something feet. So yeah. we burned seven thousand plus feet. Right. In a short period of time. I mean, it was, some of it was winding, but that last piece that we get. I learned that skid plates oh, dude. will save your undercarriage. That's right, yeah. Because if I didn't have that skid what plate... What happened? <laughs> dude, well, I was jumping, like barely... <laughs> I was basically jumping. You were testing out your Icon Stage 7 dude. adjustable suspension. I was running my King adjustable suspension, and we were both like hitting... They, they were almost like moguls on the road. They were, man. They were and awesome. And we were friggin'... Yeah, we were balling out, uh, like kind of jumping that stuff. Dude, this is I and you know you're you're like all up King suspension's ass <laughs> butthole, um, and a lot of reputable guys like B J Baldwin and you know the whole yeah, Baja yeah, off road in industry yeah. is and it's it's good for performance but hardcore you know hauling ass pre runner type work yeah and I'm big about the Icon Stage Seven because I've literally tried my hardest to destroy that um and their their customer support's good man i had some issues yeah recently and sean and justin from high country cruisers reached out to him and they actually overnighted the part that i needed to get fixed and dude those dudes are just awesome guys yeah. man no, yeah we cool. yeah we exercised a, a lot of freedom that day and you know the, one of the things that i don't even you know i don't even know if i should talk about this but we, we as a company policy we just have a stance on how we promote and, and the the appropriate time for promoting. Like you'll never see us come out with a promotion for something after a catastrophe, like a, a active shooting or a disaster because we're not insens insensitive. Talk yeah, to, we're talking about tying something to making money right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I mean the way me and Kurt live, we don't make a lot of money. <laughs> people, for some reason people think, I know people Assume that we're we're very busy, which we are. That is true. That's yeah. a fact. But that's yeah, but that's the fact of being an entrepreneur and, Absolutely. and starting your own business and running it is if you want to be successful, then you have to put the time in, and the time ends up being all the time, and that's just a reality of what we do now. So yeah, 
and you know, it's a constant grind for us, but it's something that we enjoy to do, but we're never tie in catastrophes, uh, holidays, memorializing our, uh, you know, veterans and current military. Yeah. And just, it's something that it's just, it's done in poor taste. I, I don't know. I'm not, we're not those guys anyway. Um, defining modern survival is the episode today. I just told you. <laughs> you know, we, we've gone back. A lot of people ask us, especially when it comes to Philcraft survival, because it's such a broad genre. Yeah. And they're like, what are you guys doing? Like some of, sometimes it's good, right? It's yeah. like, you guys are everywhere that you need to be. And sometimes right. it's like, you guys got ADHD. And well, survival. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't look at it as, uh, we don't have, I don't think we have ADHD in per you know, per se in, in a business sense, but we have a lot going on. Uh, one, obviously I think people realize that we have uh, good information to relay and that we actually know how to teach and we are, you know, validated in the different areas that uh, we've decided to teach in mm-hmm. um, and develop products. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there. So we've moved in some different directions and really internally, you know, sometimes, I mean, when our plates get really full, we get a lot of emails and business opportunities and people talking to us and they want to collaborate and do all these things. And it's, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, we've got to send emails back that say, that basically say, hey, we're too busy right now. Like, if I take one more thing on my plate, like, I'm never going home, you know, which, yeah. I mean, for both of our personal lives would be not good. So Yeah, we, we've done so, so much um, providing value and education without asking for anything. Sure. That it's overtaxed us, not in a bad way, but it's just, right. it's, it's just created this this almost this uh, structure where we literally just grind and don't make a living doing it. And it's very difficult just to have a life doing that. Right. And I think, yeah, our goal has always been to grow the company, uh, to hire both veterans and create jobs in this country. And so, you know, we, I think we're obviously we're maturing as we grow as a business and understanding like, Hey, we've got to put our time and energy in, in certain places and that just happens to be right now making sure that the company is making enough money so that way obviously we you know we stay going as a business but then we also have the ability to hire people which i think is a big goal for us this year is to bring some more people on and and uh because of fantastic listeners and people that support the business it looks like we're going to be able to do that so uh, i think we're both excited about that because as it grows uh you know we just continue to do good things so Absolutely. Yeah. So mo- modern survival, I want to break down modern survival for everybody and kind of talk about it categorically because uh, we describe survival and the the broad genre it is and you get glimpses and pieces of that whether it's, you know, survival fit or mindset through modern mindset 365. But there's a method to the madness, you know. There's a, a lot of ways that we um deliberately inject value or education in these certain genres because we think it's a responsibility. Right. We think people, you know, people, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, you know, people more so than ever, you know, the the further they get away from the, um, the base infrastructure of being a natural human being. Right. It's almost like if you look at, if you think of evolution, right? I, I think about this in the terms of like uh, reading books on science and, and evolution and everything else. They, they say, I think it's around three times that, that we've can determine that basically the world as it stood ended. 
right. in a catastrophe. Right. Basically, whether it was a, a, a volcano, a meteor strike, it basically wiped out the entire earth and everybody had to start over from scratch. Right. So when you think about that... There's a dude left with a frog. Yeah. And, and he's like, <laughs> I'm going to do something with this frog. And where'd you, where'd you get that from? I don't know. Man. I feel like you've been watching too much Disney. <laughs> too many Disney movies. Um, so when you think about that, you almost look at the evolution of a human being or the human species that we have. we get further and further away from our natural state, right. which is being self-reliant, right? Yeah. And we get into a, into a position where we think evolving is somehow getting more technologically advanced. So if we have a computer doing the work for us, that somehow equates to evolution or to advancement or to something positive. Right. When the reality is, it's almost like when you look at a man, right, and his um, and his almost like prehistoric, uh, what is it called, caveman state, right, his primal yeah. state. He's a beefy badass dude yeah and then when you evolve he's kind of like me now but. he's like you now <laughs> and then when you evolve into tech, a yeah. bit, 45 degree crow magnum yeah and then you evolve into out of a neanderthal or a kurt you get into <laughs> um really a person who doesn't have muscle mass they have a big dude, brain i was literally it's like, me <laughs> no i was gonna say something terrible i was like bitch tits <laughs> Why are you but looking at my chest? You. Why'd you look at my chest that and you said that? That wasn't you. I was totally, oh. you're the one that like, oh. threw that in there. And then I was like, uh. I was like going down my list of like a 10 pound brain. Like, Today's no chest and tries. Mass. You just, ch you changed up my whole week. Yeah. Um, but, but you see, you think the advancement is like a, an alien, which is like a big, it's how we think the uh, alien is like a big brain, big eyes and these small <laughs> little digits, but no muscle. And Cause he's able to control everything with his mind. And so I, I'm like – So are you telling me the evolution process is <laughs> yeah. a fucking alien? No, I just think – I think it's like we all think that we are – I know what you're saying though. Well, I mean, it's we're almost like – further away from – Yeah, we think we're growing as a, a, a species and we're advancing when the reality I think – Technology is advancing. It, technology as are. an entity, yeah. as its own standalone like AI chassis is advancing. But we as a species I think are getting – it's almost like we're growing to the point of extinction. Yeah. Like eventually we're going to get to the point where we, and, and you know, AI conspiracy theorists think this, but I think there's an element of truth in it. If you create a world around you in which you are somehow the controller of all the apparatuses around you. Right. At some point you have no control. Dude. Because when you lose control, Skynet. it's War of the Worlds type Skynet. shit. Skynet. This is Skynet from fucking Terminator, Dude, man. Dude, it's seriously like you lose total control, and then you, and then at the end of that, you will lose the your. And when you're blown back into survival mode, <laughs> what do you got left, dude? Oh, what is the movie I was watching? Who's the dude? It's the movie where the guy and the kid. There's a, this catastrophic thing that takes place, and they're they're left alone, and they have to basically survive on their own. Shit, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though. No. Oh, anyways, it's a good survival it? type Is movie. It a, was it new? Or? It, no, no, it's a, it's like 2011. It's this famous okay. actor. I don't know actors or whatever. <laughs> anyways, the the movie was him and his wife and his kid. Some natural catastrophe took place. She winded up walking off into the snow by herself to kill herself because she was so depressed. Oh. And then he uh, he basically evaded and tried to make movement to the ocean yeah. um, with his son. Right. And so it shows like uh, one of the things was like the uh, 
the people were cannibals. There was pockets of oh, cannibals God. that were hunting people, and they were eating them because there was no food sources. Okay. No, you, you couldn't be self -reli you were self-reliant, but there was no ability for you to grow food because of the volcanic ash or whatever yeah. the issue was. Anyways, I digress. I, I think, <laughs> I think you know, in a nutshell, so, we're fucked unless yeah. we unfuck our, our own selves and figure out that we have to maintain a balance. Yeah, so based off of your definition, then modern survival, what is that? What do you think that entails or how can we get closer to kind of being uh, or having a balance, I guess? Uh, just stay tuned to Phil Cross Survival. <laughs> yeah. and I'll tell you all about it. No, I, I think... Actually, if you get the seat back panel that turns into the modular... <laughs> that's a good step. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I think what it is is, a one, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people who are like that. Yeah. If if not, then you have to be the leader to convince your tech, you know, centric friends who don't want to do anything outside their comfort zone. Um, two is become self more self reliant. Right. And 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 how you approach everything in your life. Yeah. Are you gonna you know if you live in a city, are you gonna grow a garden and live off your garden? More than likely not. It's not gonna happen. You can't sustain that. Um, but. What you can do is you could take a step in the right direction. You could source your own fish, your right. own uh, meat. Yeah. You could look at partitioning uh, a portion of your food that you intake and and sourcing it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, that's one thing I was thinking about Rogan right now because we were talking about his podcast earlier. And he's big into taking game for what it was, you know, basically not wasting and just you know, trophy hunting animals. Yeah. But actually like, you know, killing an animal, skinning it out, gutting harvesting it. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, harvesting the whole thing, using everything, and that makes a ton of sense. Obviously where we live in southwestern Colorado, that's a big part of the culture here, you know, hunting and using the meat. Yeah. Um and kind of doing the right thing and being a good steward of what we have. So I posted a hunting post. No, no, it was an archery post the other yeah. day. And, um, of course we got a negative Nancy that was in there and I was like, really hunting's for pussies. And I'm thinking like, this is a man saying this, right? <laughs> hunting's for pussies. And I'm thinking he's holding an iPad tablet. Well, he's on an iPad and he's probably, he's probably <laughs> sourcing all of his food from a grocery store. Cause you could conveniently source that food, um, from a grocery store and be oblivious to where it came from. Right. And if you look at factory farming, which in America is a fucking problem. Yeah. Like these motherfuckers who factory, like, look, I'll motherfucker motherfuck them because <laughs> I think it's wrong. I think it's unethical and I'll do my best in the decisions I make as a consumer to, to one, not try to source that food that way. I want it grass fed. Yeah. I want it, um, holistic farming. Um, but, and try to convince my network of doing the same. Yeah. And you know, these, these guys, people think all oh, the poor farmer, no, the factory farmers. Now we're not talking about the laborers who are on the ground. They're they're not the farmers. Yeah, it's a corporate model. It's a corporate structure that literally uh, takes um, and looks at it like a number game, which is the more pre-produced to meet the demand, the more right. we supply, the more money we're going to make as a corporation. In fact, most of these farms aren't even farms anymore. Yeah, they're not owned by families. They're owned by mega corporations. Yeah. So, yeah, pay attention to what you source. Anyways, look, one element to modern survival is mindset. And, you know, I wanted to start this off with mindset because I wanted to get your mindset and some things because your mindset I've seen improve over the last couple of years. Really? You've gotten smarter. 
you started reading. Yeah, you know how to read now. You know how to read. It's kind of cool. Well, you know what's interesting is when we. For the record, I got to throw this out there. My family is involved in farming in California. Yeah, I love you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it it is a family farm, Um, but you know it's it's done on a big level. I know that it's my mom's youngest brother, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know probably one of the hardest working guys I've ever met in my life. Um, But uh, obviously, you know, hey, American businesses and guys that are doing good things for this country, like we would never be talking on the podcast about saying that we don't agree with that. I love my family. They're ethical people, and my uncle does a great job. So if you're listening to this, Uncle Kelly, I love you. Yeah, uh, we love. I love Kurt's family too. I, I've spent a lot of time with his mom, and I think uh, <laughs> I'm. I'm. Yeah, I, mom, don't I, listen to this episode. Yeah, I, I caveat that, and yeah, we're not talking. You know, whole. I think entirely. You're talking about like the Monsanto's and the oh yeah, like where they basically take farmers and grab them by the balls and then force them to do absolutely, man. Yeah. It's it's a corrupt, in depth conversation. Yeah, um, they're lobbying in DC. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's like it's crazy. horrible. It's yeah. horrible. What, and and so, you know, when when I look at you know starting this off, when I think about mindset and and which is, I think is the first element to modern survival, is you have to decide or you have to create some de- deliberate decisions, not only in your mindset, but in those executables of how your mind translates into your life. Yeah. And and they need to be significant changes. They, they have to be shifts in thinking. I mean, if you listen to Joe Rogan, which we've quoted a lot here, um, so Joe, you, you can thank us later um, <laughs> yeah. for bringing you uh, our followers. <laughs> um, the fact is, Joe Rogan was uh, very liberal in his mindset, very... Um, uneducated in a lot of things until he advanced and got exposed to a lot of different ways of thinking, including yeah. hunting. Yeah. I mean, he didn't hunt until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and now he's, his eyes have been opened. And right. I think that's, that's one of the first things is, is being open-minded to educate yourself, not just based off of what a professor teaches you at school yeah. or not based off of what your parents teach you in the house, but broadly understanding outside of just media, yeah. maybe getting in there yourself and, and understanding and learning. Yeah. I know when we started the whole mindset 365 um, concept and we were forcing each other to come up with uh, mindset thoughts and ideas. Right. It was difficult to do. Yeah. But generating those ideas alone was evolutionary. And, and I think oh, in, yeah. in our lives yeah, absolutely. It translated. Yeah. Well, we were able to revisit, I think, a lot of core values that we were built on in the military Maybe some of those exposures prior to joining the military, but really reinforced in the military and then lived through, um, you know, suffering, joy, pain, like all that. Right. And you dealt with all of that. And then, you know, I'm like listening to you talk about like, you know, mindset as it pertains to modern survival and what that means. And, you know, basically you've got to identify uh, that either there's a problem or there's something that needs to be taken seriously and then establish some kind of steps to address it. So whether it's education, learning the hard skills, whatever, right? All the stuff that we teach. Uh, but the first thing is actually accepting the fact that natural and man-made disasters happen. Um, and are you prepared, are you prepared to save yourself and your family? And if you're not, I think you need to be asking some serious questions about what you roll with. And again, Mike and I, I don't ever educate from a stance of being, 
uh, like this crazy prepper, like I, I gotta live isolated and I, I'm living on 50,000 rounds of 50 cal. And, That's me. Yeah. And a Humvee up at your house and you're rolling around with your friggin' don't tread on me flag, which is cool by the way. I, I approve and of that flag. Hat. <laughs> and your tinfoil hat on friggin' shooting at aliens. But, uh, but no, but I mean, I think, you know, the mindset part starts with like, and we, you know, we had an interesting, uh, we had a friend in town, I'm not going to say his name, and he comes out and trains with us and works with us and does a lot of stuff, but he had a, a pretty, ca- uh, not catastrophic, but a pretty life-changing moment uh, when he was in, you know, New York City, and he was actually attacked by a, a homeless dude. With a knife, right? With a knife, and, you know, this guy is, uh, you know, professional guy, super squared away, but, you know, had you know, wasn't an ex special operations guy, nothing like that. But, you know, I mean, he handled himself well. And, and, uh, basically, you know, the story goes that he, that he basically took this, you know, took this homeless guy and he didn't beat the crap out of him, but he controlled him and pinned him to the ground. And some, some onlookers, you know, uh, smartly notified the NYPD and then they came and arrested this guy. But again, you know, my, my hope is that somebody's listening to this podcast and something like that doesn't have to happen before they actually go, hey, who are these guys? What are they talking about? And I mean, it's literally us, uh, you know, teaching from common sense experiences in austere environments when we served in the United States Army Special Operations Command. So, you know, the next thing I want, was thinking about when you were talking about all this is if you want to get any kind of appreciation for where you live in the United States... You need to go outside of the United States. You need to travel and see the rest of the world and understand um, why it's important to be prepared for certain situations because, you know, it's great to live in your bubble here. If that's your only aspiration, I actually feel sorry for you um, because this world is a, an interesting place. And I mean, a ton of lessons that we learned all happened while we were on deployments all over the world, you know, and then we saw what poverty looks like, what despair really looks like when people don't even have enough, um, they don't have enough food. You know what I mean? They don't have clean water. Like they can't even do the basic things like hygiene and eat and, you know, and get rest and things like that. So, you know, we come back here and you realize you get into a city center, for example, San Francisco, Miami, anywhere like that, and a natural disaster happens or a man-made catastrophe, and you realize how quickly, you know, you're talking about the evolution process that humans go back to, you know, you go, you know, I guarantee no gas, no power, no water, no food in San Francisco for, you know, 72 to 96 hours or whatever, and you're going to see some serious savagery come out. And, And our you know, our backgrounds tell us that, hey, you have to be prepared for things like that because quite honestly, human beings are terrible to each other, especially when they're fighting over resources. And if you don't understand or know that, look at a ton of the wars that have been fought in the past and what they've been fought over um, and what people do to each other. So what, what's, what's, um, let's talk about a pro tip. We'll do a couple pro tips per, per category and we got, only have three of them, so bear with me. Um, give me a pro tip for mindset. What's, what's the most impactful pro tip, um, that you've learned yourself, but something that you follow that you have to stay mindful of in order to stay in the, in the game and to keep your head in the game. Yeah. So, so as far as, you know, mindset for me, um, mine goes back to 
so there, there's a lot of different things there, but the, but my number one in the, during the day is I get up in the morning and I do PT. And the reason why I do that is because, you know, I still want to be physically able to take care of myself and my family. So even if I get into a street fight, I want to be able to protect myself. If I need to help pick something up to carry it, whether that's water, food, anything like that, in a situation where, you know, I have to do that, I want to be physically capable. Obviously, you and I are both getting older, but I know lots of people that stay fit into their 60s and 70s, you know, where they're still able to move across terrain like we live in and do all of that. So, and it clears your mind yeah, and gives exactly. you a positive for yeah. me. And, you know, we've, hey man, we've got a lot of stuff going on because of the job that we did in the past. And there's certain things that I know I need to do to keep myself, you know, both mentally and physically healthy. And so, uh, that's how I start the day. So, for me, for mindset, it starts with physical activity um, that literally keeps my mind strong and my body healthy. And I think it goes into overall health in general. So it allows me to even have a mindset, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, my mine has been, in a, you know, being Kurt have both gone, this is probably Kurt's number two, but this is my number one, uh, as you could tell by my gut. Uh, <laughs> my priorities are different. <laughs> my, so my big thing is, is staying positive, man, having a positive mindset. Because I think, you know, there's so many, and we both have had in, in – know being best friends and knowing each other and on a daily basis and how we deal and operate have had a whole bunch of obstacles to happiness uh, intervene in our lives on a daily basis i mean it's almost daily and so there's always an opportunity every single day and i hate to frame it that way but that's how most people look at it an opportunity to have a negative outlook on your life and so when it presents itself it's so easy just to fall victim to that and just go you know, fuck life, fuck everybody. I hate this. I hate everybody. Yeah. And which transcends obvious, obviously itself into uh, your 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 life and the, those around you, and greatly impacts uh, really your pattern of life and the stability that you have in everything that you do. I mean, it, obviously, having a bad day is what people typically call it. Can translate into losing your job or losing a relationship or making yeah. decisions that you typically wouldn't make. And then your life becomes a train wreck and you wake up in an alley one day sucking on your thumb <laughs> with your pants around your ankles and you wonder how you got there. Damn, that was like, yeah. That, that happens. That rabbit hole was deep. Well, it wasn't deep. It's just the alleyways aren't deep. They're just shallow. I feel like I feel like this happened to you. Like you ended up in an alleyway with your pants around your ankles it sucking your thumb. It was a tough year. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's actually a great yeah. point. That was a much better answer, I think, than initially what I gave. I think... Uh, well, yeah. you've taught me that too. I mean... We, we've kind of leaned on each other for those kind of uh, like, hey, man, it's not the end of the world. Let's relook it in a different way. Right. And we've both done that for each other, you know, on based on my relationships and uh, <laughs> yeah. in your life. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But we've I mean, Me that's, being married yeah. for a long time and having teenagers and every yeah. day I'm like, fuck, yeah. fuck. But there's different ways to affect that. You know, I think a positive outlook is like in like Kurt described uh, in, in, in his outlook, too. Uh, you know, if you know, if you understand the trials and tribulations that are real, that that real people go through throughout yeah. the world, you'll understand perspectively that your life isn't so bad. I mean, what's bad is being born in Syria. I mean, what's bad is, um, you know, growing up in a war torn area um, and and having being affected by that poverty, terrorism and everything else on a daily basis. Yeah. 
those are bad things. Right. What's not bad is your girlfriend hates your guts. Your cell phone service was interrupted for an hour. I mean, I know that's like... Yeah, that's catastrophic. Well, and it's funny though, like, I think this is the scary thing about, even for us, like, we have to like remind each other sometimes, like, hey man, like, we've been in 10 times worse situations and, uh, you know, every we're not getting shot at anymore. We're not getting blown up. Sometimes we wish we were. Yeah. Because <laughs> see, yeah. it seems better than the situations right? we're in. Yeah. I think, yeah, but, both yeah. of us have talked about that before. We were like, I can deal with that way better than I can deal with arguing with my spouse or yeah. getting into an argument or whatever. But, uh, no, it's, I mean, you gotta, I think, you know, again, I, I'm huge about telling people to travel the world. I'm, my brother was here visiting this weekend. He's a good kid. Um, he's a junior at UNC Charlotte and he's, you know, working towards his degree in biology. Good kid, man. Yeah, like he's that. a good yeah. student. He's squared away. He's got an internship right now out in California where he's working with like Department of Interior, uh, the Ranger, forestry yeah, department, forestry, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And he's, you know, he's doing a 90 day internship and then he's headed back to North Carolina, uh, to continue working on his degree. You know, we had a, we had some really good talks uh, this, you know, this weekend and, and spending time hanging out and, you know, Mike was with us too. And we were talking about being traveled, you know, and, and seeing the world and, and getting a pre- an appreciation for what we do have here. So, you know, I, I think the, the veteran community as a whole has a, a fairly decent idea of what that looks like because they've, you know, left to distant shores and done, you know, the, the bidding of the nation. Um, and they've seen a lot of things. And so, you know, we're no different, you know, veterans of, you know, special operations and, you know, did this job for a long time and just saw a lot of not only crazy things, but just a lot of things that put life in perspective. So I really think it's hard. My thing is to come home and have an expectation that everybody is going to have the mindset that we have um, is an unrealistic one. But I think the benefit is, is that guys like us who can teach can talk about that mindset, how we got it, why, why and how it's it. important. Yeah, right, exactly. So as long as, as long as we've got guys like us around, you know, to be able to help articulate those things, I think, uh, we'll be okay. And as long as people obviously are interested in that, I mean, Hey, look, you know, some people might not be interested in it. And unfortunately I think, you know, they suffer the consequences really. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's just a ton, this is just a super interesting topic mindset in the survival genre, in modern survival, what we call it, you know, is, uh, I mean, it's just super interesting, but you're right. Like staying positive. Like, I mean, it's proven that people with a positive mentality typically come out on top unless it's something catastrophic that they just are not going to be able to avoid. But, you know, it's like, if you let all these little daily things kind of eat your ass, uh, that was kind of a bad. <laughs> I got all these weird images. I know, images me in too. My mind. That's like I've <laughs> been right, there before. Ne- next topic, no, uh, no, but but you know, uh, if you let all these little things build up and you can't kind of positively affect them and overcome them, overcome them, um, then that translates into to not good stuff. So yeah. So uh, next one is body. You know, we 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 frame out body as like physical preparedness. Okay. And- yeah. You know, we, we've shaken out physical preparedness. We have the foundation, which uh, we were with JT underscore trailhead. He's yeah. a great, great dude. And JT uh, is a veteran, a combat infantry veteran. And we've done a, a, a 90 day program because, you know, hey, I, I've taken 90 day programs 90 days at a time. Right. And it's about the time that your body starts adapting. And then I think there needs to be a reshift in the 
adaptation process, which is one of the reasons I, I'm I'm not a big fan of CrossFit because literally the strategy is, yeah, you can get resistance to an extent until you've optimized the process. Right. And then when you get efficient at it, it, it almost get, defeats the purpose of resistance, which is the way you build muscle and everything right. else. And are there cardiovascular elements and are there other elements that, that I'm not smart enough to regurgitate? Yes. But uh, the whole point is if you're going to work out, um, when you work out, you work out uh, to meet friction, to build a base, right. to improve your physical fitness level. At 90 days, it changes. And I think the for the foundation program for Philcraft Survival Fit on Instagram, the whole premise is it's not about aesthetic. Like right. I, I'm not trying to get you to have a fucking six-pack. Right. Because the, the reality is if you want a six-pack – it has a lot to do with body composition, DNA, and actual body fat, right. which in a survival situation is not um, <coughs> it, it almost it's important to have. Yeah. And so I'm not telling you to be a gunt, <laughs> a big fat ass, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and and that's how you're going to survive. What I'm telling you is, it's not about improving your aesthetic in the mirror. It's about improving your overall functional fitness. I feel like right a, now that's we're the mission. yeah, I, and I feel like right now we're at like you know we're at peak survival kind of body build. Yeah, because we got the I got a keg on me that I could survive thirty days with. Yeah. It's all about survival, man. We joke about that, but no, seriously, it's a good point. And JT's background for people that don't know, um, he has an education in fitness and exercise uh, science. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's not like we just pick some dude yeah. like to you know to help us uh, develop that workout program. JT's a very bright guy. Uh, spent a long time in school understanding how the what the right way is to do that and and that's where the foundation came from with you know a lot of our uh kind of beliefs and and what we think you know you should be doing so yeah i think about you know i think about physical fitness levels and my my understanding of physical fitness and survival takes me back to ranger school oh yeah takes us back to a a point in life a dark place yeah in which <laughs> in which physical preparedness when you get to a level playing field of survival, right, absolutely balances the playing field. And so it's funny. I, I think this is really interesting because when I went into Ranger School, I had really low body fat. I actually was getting fit, yeah. right? I was, and getting fit at that time meant cardiovascular fitness. It meant how much could you bench press? Yeah. How much could you back squat? And it had little to do with functional applied fitness. Sure. And so I go to ranger school and I'm at low body fat and um, I'm super fit, but then realize I'm not getting the calories. Yeah. So now you're the guy who, with muscle mass and you start, it's weird, but everybody's body starts conforming oh, yeah. to this ranger student body, which <laughs> which you could be a bodybuilder. Bod. Dude, remember, I mean, oh, I remember dude, SF yeah. dudes who are like bodybuilder status they came in, and then by the end of Ranger School, we all looked the same. pounds lighter. We all looked the same. In fact, the only thing I learned, the, the biggest lesson learned in that was the fact that the guy who came in with all the mo uh, muscle mass was in more pain oh, dude. than the people who weren't. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's actually a really good point. I experienced the same thing when I went. Because you were a bodybuilder at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was sucking. No, no, but I, I think I was, damn, I'm trying to remember. I think I was in my early 20s when I went to Ranger School. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit older than you. I went uh, as a young non-commissioned officer, so I was an E5, uh, just newly promoted, and I got my shot to finally go to Ranger School. 
Went to 82nd pre-range. Did you go to ranger school then Iraq, or did you or did you have your CIB? No, I, I, yeah, I did all my schooling up front. Oh, nice, I, dude. Then That's still a good way to go down range. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. ranger qualified, <laughs> tab D5. Well, I was in long-range surveillance, so yeah. I couldn't have been there unless I was ranger qualified and airborne and all that stuff. So yeah. anyways, but uh, no, experience the same thing. You'd see guys who were super lean come in, you know, they were yoked, and they would be two weeks, three weeks in, and now they're on the pain train. Because we're all, you know, yeah. calorie depleted and you're just not They're getting burning it. that muscle first yeah, exactly. than they are the fat. And I'll never forget it because, you know. The smell. Yeah. The, Remember the smell? It smells like ammonia. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's just a bunch of dudes like dying in a patrol base, you know. Suffering. Rotten right. from the inside out. But, uh, but good points. I mean, yeah, obviously having a little bit of body fat is, you know, in a survival situation is going to help you. Well, so. we, another point that um, Ranger School reminds me of in this same context is, is uh, calories, calories in versus calories out. Right. And, you know, I think a problem that we have, you know, I'm doing currently doing uh, ketosis or, or the ketones diet. Yeah. Which is exclusively uh, a lot of fat, high-end fat. Right. You guys Zero carbs. Sugar. Uh, we could have natural sugars like in berries and everything else like that. But yeah. when, I, when, you, when, you, when you actually – when I actually look at fuel – which is food. How do you feel right now doing that diet? Great, dude. I can, you know, I think number one, I think it a lot of it depends on genetics as it applies to the geographical region of the world that you came from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I'm obviously half Asian Pacific, a lot of shit, right? I got twenty nine percent Korean, nine percent Japanese, and some freaking Taiwanese, some shit in there. Yeah. No offense to Taiwanese people, but what? What I've realized is it, my, your different body types respond to different diets differently. We're right, all not created equal, yeah. and people think, "Oh, there's a one in, one all or end all be all one diet, diet that workout, that works or, for everybody." Yeah. Here's 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 my general thumb. One, I learned this from technical drafting. It's a basic principle of uh, measuring work in versus work out. Yeah, you have to look at food as a fuel source. Right. When you start to do that, what how I break it down is imagine every single type of food that you have. If you take that food and you put it in a blender, yeah, and you look at what that process being broken down looks like, that's what uh, your it looks like in your gut. That's what it looks like in your gut. Yeah. So the example is if you take a if you take a bowl of cereal, which we grew up on cereal, right? <laughs> it was the healthy thing because lucky charms because the FDA put you know uh, the. It's one of the multi-grains of oh, the yeah. five servings it was in the food, pyramid. food pyramid that you could eat. Yeah. If you realize, if you take a loaf of bread or if you take a bowl of cereal, if you take any of that stuff and you put it in a blender and it blends it down, what you're creating is powdered sugar, yeah. essentially. That's what it is. Yeah. It's basically a super fuel. Yeah. It's the same thing that happens when you look at uh, what happens to corn when it's broken down. It's a super fuel. Yeah. Corn syrup, corn starch, corn you know, with flour enriched, all these enriched things broken down is literally powdered, powdered sugar, which your body as a breaking down digestive mechanism or process isn't supposed to do. Right. Because when you eat a whole natural food, there's a breaking down process, which has to do also with how your body fuels itself and how the body um, may, leverages that energy right. as fuel. Right. And so 
if you understand that principle, then you'll look at food kind of differently. And that's what yeah. that's what it took for me. Because I went, I looked at it and went, well, damn, if I take a if I take a box of syrup and put it in a, a blender and break it down, I'm literally eating powdered sugar. Yeah. And that powdered sugar spikes your glycemic index and causes a lot of issues with receptors, with the way um, that your your blood sugar spikes. Yeah. And that's what causes onset diabetes. Yeah. And well, so just a ton of health stuff. Yeah. If yeah. you take now in contrast to that, you take butter, you take fat, you take saturated fat, you take avocados, you take uh, hell nuts, yeah. and you break it down, your body has a slower way of digesting that. Right. It's a slower digestive process, which means better sustained energy. Yeah. And what I've learned in survival is that when you're looking at surviving, you don't want spikes of energy. Yeah. Because if you have a spike of energy, look, in survival, you need what you need. Yeah. When you get a Snickers bar, you, you <laughs> yeah. fucking shovel that shit down. But what you want is you want the ability to sustain energy over the long term. And what Ranger School taught me about calorie conservation is that guys would get meals. Yeah. And on average in Ranger School, you get about 2,000 calories a day because you could eat one meal a day. Yeah. But you burn about 4,000 in ranger school, four yeah. to 6,000 a day, depending on the activities of the patrols you're doing. Yeah. So at the tail end of that, something's got to give. There's approximately 3,000 calories in a pound. I think that's right. Yeah. And so if you look at that, you learn, you lose. I lost 30 pounds in ranger school. Damn. Because you're, you, you start burning fat. Yeah. And then it's work in doesn't equal work out because you're not getting enough in. But you have a bigger frame than me. I lost 19 pounds when I went to school. So. Yeah. Which was, I mean, crazy. You know, they weigh you before and then they weigh you after. And I don't think, I mean, obviously every single dude we went to school with uh, lost a lot of weight. So yeah, I, I, you know, I respond well to uh, a diet high in fat um, and a little bit of rice. Like obviously a staple of my geographical Asian culture. Yeah, if you don't have rice, rice, you're gonna die. I freak out. Yeah, but if if. <laughs> You know, you as a white dude, you know, are eating rice and you're not used to that in in the area that you came from, which is, yeah. you know, probably somewhere in... Uh, <laughs> Why do I feel like this is going to be a smart-ass Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe <laughs> uh, and Chad, you know. Yeah. Um, Niger. Niger. Um, you, don't, uh, you don't respond well to that diet. And yeah. so we're all different and yet you have to figure out what works for you. But in a nutshell... Um, how you eat is, is literally the precursor of how long you're going to live and how well you're going to respond in life. Right. That's a big fucking deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's all definitely interesting. I know you guys have really been digging deep into it and I'm like wondering to myself, like even when we work together and live together in the same house or whatever, every morning you have like oatmeal and peanut butter and I'm wondering how you're doing without oatmeal and peanut butter. Cause I, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> There's no difference. Now I do eggs and yeah. bacon Oh God! Um, That's or, my kind of jam. If dude, it's like <laughs> eggs and bacon, bro. Eggs and bacon, or I do protein pancakes with peanut butter. Oh, nice! And that that diet high in fat. You know, sometimes I, depending on what I eat the night prior, I'll do this. I'll do the, uh, I'll do the fast, the sixteen hour fast, which includes the time you're sleeping. So yeah. it's not that bad. Um, which we did in the military all the time. Right. Um, which is one of the reasons I, 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 one of the reasons I think we stayed lean. Yeah. But don't look at, don't overlook at. Food as a as a mechanism to determine the aesthetic output. Yeah, like don't look at it and go, "Hey, I want to get sexier because I want to get leaner," <laughs> and think that that's going to determine whether you, what you eat. Yeah, look at the health benefits of this the stuff you're putting in you. Yeah. Omega omega threes, 
vitamin B, vitamin D, uh, foods enriched, uh, enriched are not better than foods that aren't enriched. Right. And so whole natural foods, uh, don't be afraid of fat because fat's not going to kill you. In fact, it's, it's, there's literal science yeah. there that says it's good for you. Yeah. Unbeknownst to the, the people of the FDA who, who regulated the, <laughs> created the food pyramid, which yeah. you might as well, you know, I don't know. I got this weird, away. weird image of a pyramid and people squatting <laughs> on it. Uh, you might as well squat on a pyramid. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, oh god! No, don't do the hard right turn. <laughs> I, I'm close. Yeah. Well, bro, you're losing me. <laughs> people uh, squatting on pyramids. This is bad. So there were three. So it was mindset, body, phys- yeah, physical body, and and yeah. uh, um, and food really. Okay. So yeah, and th- that's part of the one same category. And then skill sets. The yeah. last one, skill sets. Yeah. So skill sets. That's yeah. something that we we, you know, it's there's a ranger theme here, but technically and tactically proficient, right? Right. Having the technical skill sets, and, and we're not talking about how well you shoot El Prez on a flat range, <laughs> we, and and showing the pro timer your your shot group. That doesn't tr- that that translates to technical specific technical skill sets that are required of technical task. Right. But we're talking about actually staying proficient in specific technical skills that are going to save your life. Right. Um, if you had to narrow it down to three skill sets that you need to have, that you need to have trained um, and that you need to know right now in modern mindset or modern survival, what would it be? Uh, let's see. Number one is probably um, the ability to orienteer. Um, if the grid, Whoa. if the grid goes down navigation, that's yeah, a big do you one, know yeah. how to navigate, um, whether on foot or do you know how to navigate, you know, in a vehicle, can you train associate, can you do all this stuff, right. That we all learned when we were in the military. And then the second one would probably be med, um, just med skills, like, you know, how to put on a pressure dressing, how to apply a tourniquet, how to create a sling out of a bandana, you know, just basic like basic first aid stuff, CPR, you know, what to do if somebody has a heart, whatever. You get it, right? The basics of medical yep. stuff and to understand, you know, uh, trauma um, and how to treat trauma. And then probably the last one would be some type of self-defense. So like you said, I really don't care what your El Prez time is. Can you um, employ the firearm to protect yourself and your family? Um, so those are kind of my three. So I guess orienteering med and then the capability uh with with a firearm so So those would be my same three i think the caveat to add add to the the technical skill sets is how you train it you know the training process is important you know we talk about the isolate rehearse repeat methodology which is just a simple way of saying um you know when you when you have something you want to learn you have to break it down and master the breakdown right and that that makes you better at the culmination of the whole skill set as it sits and I think the other, in addition to that, is creating um, a list and a capability and equipment that yeah. facilitate the technical skills. Yeah. Like some, like you know, a lot of people, a lot of people talk crap about the people who are using a sexy equipment and the sexy kit and everything else. Yeah. But dude, we're not talking about platinum and diamonds. We're right. talking about Kydex. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the kit that you have in your car. Yeah. You know, we talk about everyday mobility and everyday carry. Those are the, those are the staples of our business and our strategy and educating you right. because it's some structure. If you have, if you take EDC 
serious, not only do you equip yourself with the proper equipment, you know, whether it's a T-Rex arms um, holster, which is a good one, which is Haley Strategic, which the is a good one. Yeah, is another good one. Is another good one. And you have the right firearm, which we stand by Glocks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Statement Defense has a great Glock. Yeah. Um, you know, a great custom Glock. Yeah. And then you have the tourniquet, the cat, all this stuff as yeah. an EDC. You need to train all that stuff with that same equipment. Yeah. That's what's going to make you be better, um, not just briefing well, but actually executing well. Yeah. So like my brother rolled out, you know, he left today, he stopped by the office and said, what's up? And then he, you know, bailed out and he was headed to Moab and Zion and doing his thing. And uh, I was like, hey, dude, do you have a med kit in your car? And he's like, no, I don't. And I was for like, ninety nine ninety nine, we can yeah, do it. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, come to the office and bring your checkbook. No, um, no, but I had extra stuff at the house, so I, you know, I set him up with a cat, gave him a quick class on the cat tourniquet. What? Yeah, and that's then, pretty brotherly of you, man. I know, man. I was. How like, old is he? He's uh, twenty three. Oh, so, so. twenty two years, you could have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I've been I, I screwed him over for the last twenty two years. You wanted him to learn the hard way. Yeah, right. I was like, "Hey, you ever had a major bleeder?" And I took out my fieldcraft browse blade and friggin', you know, hit him on the inside of the femoral. No, but uh, but used the cat, gave him some some dressings and you know a cravat and some stuff like that. And then we threw it. And this wasn't anything fancy. I threw it in a fucking Ziploc bag. But and threw a pair of trauma shears in there, and we talked about some different scenarios. And but stuff we sell like that, that kid. We do, yeah. 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 If you're looking for it now, you can go to fieldcraftsrevival.us. Yeah. I mean it's a it's <laughs> a good point. It's a good but, point. Yeah. I mean, everybody should I mean, even if you don't buy ours, like we individually sell things on the website as well, like tourniquets and things like that. So my thing is like don't be a dipshit. Have the regular just the basic stuff in your vehicle and maybe in a bag that you carry every day or something like that. Like my kids carry tourniquets at school. You know what I mean? Just because I think it's that important and I've trained them both how to use them and it's just important stuff. Again, med was one of my top ones. There's a lot of crazy things that happen, you know, school shootings aside, you know, car accidents and everything else that we talk about. It's just one of those things I feel like is a common sense kind of answer is like, hey, set yourself up for success. So the, the whole reason we designed the minimalist survival kit is for uh, the 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 primary focus was convenience because right. literally it was like, hey, if you develop this kit go bag, no, nobody's going to carry this big bag on them at all times right. because they'll think it's inconvenient. Right, and you know you, you don't want to. One is part of part of that was the reason that it was minimalist, but another reason is, hey, what can I carry on my person, on myself, mm -hmm. in order to ensure my survivability over a period of time, which yeah. we determined is seventy two hours. So like my one of my and this is the caveat this is my uh, um, my frago my fragmentation order <laughs> uh, since we're on a ranger school theme my frago to this is I, I think you should have a survival kit and know how to use it yeah absolutely we we have a survival kit it's the basic staples of survival right um, it includes fire which everything to make a fire whether you throw your big ladder in there as well as your uh, it has a light by fire fire starter. Um, Water procurement, right. which is a contain container for water. It's and, a little bladder. And the ability to clean it. And the ability to sanitize it. Right. Um, signal. Um, med. It's got Shelter. a tourniquet. Yeah. Shelter. Right. Warmth. Because it could because it has a space blanket inside of it. All those things you need to learn how to technically use that stuff. Right. And it's not inconvenient. You throw the shit in your glove box. Shit goes wrong. 
I don't know how many times I pulled out the kit and actually used it for shit that's not tied. In, uh, you know, how many times have I pulled that thing out when we've been together and be like, oh, I need to start a fire. Yeah. And literally got, you know, pull out a lighter, pull out the, the light my fire, fire starter. Yeah. And we it happens all the time. Right. Um, don't half-ass all the stuff we're talking about, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, again, you know, the when we started the podcast, the definition of what we kind of consider modern survival. And it's like, again, there's no crazy, like, prepper stuff going on here. This is just two guys who had, you know, uh, a decent amount of experience overseas doing a lot of different things and working in some pretty interesting environments. And you see very quickly what happens when you start to take away, uh, you know, you don't have first responders, you don't have all this stuff. And that then now you're stuck and you got to be able to figure it out. Well, hey, you know, there's more people every day in this country. Shit gets busy. You know, we always talk about it. The average response of the first responder uh, is roughly 12 minutes, depending on where they're located. And, you know, a lot can happen in that time span. So just being prepared and getting yourself through the first 12 minutes until somebody who's a professional shows up and can sort it out, like you're going to increase your survivability. And that's the whole reason why we're talking about it. So speaking on equipment and um, how it ties the skill sets, we just dropped the EDM, the everyday mobility, uh, go light, yeah, yeah, panel pack. Yeah. I like to describe it as a, I've been really trying to do a good job about describing this to people because I feel like, you know, people look at pictures and they don't, maybe they can't quite grasp some of the functionality of it, but just imagine, you know, people have seen seatback panels, right? It's a panel that you run on the back of your seat in your vehicle and there's pouches on it, right? Well, ours are Velcro, um, you know, very heavy duty Velcro along with Molly. And we gave that as an option. So if you wanted to hard point mount something on that panel, you could do so. But this panel runs the back of your car seat. Now, the interesting thing about our panel is that uh, it has two straps, one that goes around in the headrest area and the other strap goes around uh, towards the base of the seat. It sits flush on the seat um, and you can put a survival kit in there. You can put a med kit. Uh, I've thrown, you know, I've got one and I've thrown a jacket in there, some, some snacks, a bunch of different stuff, right? Because it's modular. Um, and you know, uh, if you need to take this thing out of your vehicle, the, the cool thing about this is it turns into a minimalist backpack, um, or a go bag or whatever you call it. And you remove these two straps and the excess material is neatly stowed and you just undo the little clip with the excess material and it's got two heavy duty zippers that zip right to the top. You throw it on your back and now instead of just having a panel that you run in your vehicle uh, where, where maybe that med kit and the, all the stuff that you paid a lot of money for or maybe you know wherever you got it, it stays in the car and now you can't take it with you. What if you're going on a hike? What if you're going to the playground with your kids and your car is five minutes away or whatever it ends up being. Now you have a solution where you can take this panel off and have it as a backpack and take everything with you. So that was the, the practical application of what we were thinking about. When we designed it, you know, and uh, credit goes to Mike, you know, I had some little uh, left and right corrections here and there with the, with the product itself, but that was Mike's brainchild. But, you know, it was the intent of this thing was to be used from the very left end of the spectrum, which was soccer mom, all the way to the very right end of the spectrum, which was a guy in special operations downrange. He bails out of a vehicle and now he's got a go bag with him. So, um, but there's, you know, that application across the board is, I think, a pretty efficient 
And it's a really common sense one. And, and we actually laughed because we were like, how did nobody else design this? Yeah, so, patent pending. Yeah. You actually got a utility patent on it. And I think, you know, with the EDM bag, it's just, it's that, it, it just follows and it falls in line with having the right mindset, but having the right uh, equipment to set you up for success when things go wrong. Right. I mean, it's also for me, it's just utility wise. Like, why are you going to create two kits? And have one that's glued to the seat that you can't remove. Yeah. You'd have to remove the contents outside of the pouch when you can literally have it remove the pouch itself by itself or take it in a bag on the go yeah. during your daily lives. And it's – look, it, it, Mike Hernandez is this beautiful little daughter. She's – Sophia, she's – I love her. She's awesome. <laughs> um, but, you know, Uncle Mike showed her one time and she just – she knows how to do it. Her little yeah. digits get in there and she can <laughs> unlatch it. If a little girl can do it, uh, yeah. you could do it on a daily basis as part of your, you know, everyday uh, mobility. Everyday, everyday mobility. Carry. I yeah, like that. Absolutely. So you know, the, we, we're pre-ordering it now. It, the the incentive for the pre-order is one. We're we don't we're a debt-free company, so we're we're smart about how we work numbers. And the the pre-order puts you in line to get it fifteen uh, percent off and get it at a discount. But also every single bag that we sell, we've made a promise to donate ten dollars. For every bag sold uh, to Gold Star Teen Adventures, which right. helps the children of fallen special operations service members who are killed um, or lose their lives in the line of duty. And these outdoor activities, these uh, community activities bring these children together and they don't have to be alone. And, and they can give them education. They can give them outdoor um, adventures and take their minds off of the situations that they're particular, they're specifically in. Yeah, it's a good cause. And another company that we work with, Roca. Yeah. Um, Roca eyewear. Eyewear that makes performance uh, sunglasses, sunglasses yeah. for athletes and everybody, everybody else. They've done the same thing. Ten dollars for all their line of uh, uh, a specific set of sunglasses, and five dollars for everything else. Yeah. And that's hugely important. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's all do good cause as well. Absolutely, man. So, yeah. Uh, uh, June 9th and 10th is the upcoming courses, that's right? right? Training, yeah. You got June 9th. Mike's going to be doing an EDC class in Phoenix, Arizona from 8 to noon. Uh, if you are interested in potentially booking private training that day with Mike, uh, you can reach out to us at training at fieldcraftsrevival.com uh, or you can DM us um, and, and talk to us about that. Uh, if you want to train, do some per, you know, one-on-one -on -one training after, uh, also on the 10th, uh, at surgeon, they've been gracious enough to let us use a classroom. Uh, Jay Sylvester, who is, uh, our, one of our medics from, uh, he's got his own little company called Axis Performance and Jay is going to be doing a one day trauma class, um, there in Phoenix as well. So, uh, we've got several other courses coming up. If you're interested in those, go to fieldcraftsrevival.us. Uh, we will be running EDC, some more EDC courses. We will be running EDM, EDM some mobility courses. Uh, hey, guys, bear with us. I know a lot of people have been asking about training. Um, hey, we will still conduct training, and we will have people that are uh, extremely qualified conducting training. But, you know, Mike and I are also uh, doing other things for the business and trying to build it. And so uh, we want to make sure that not only do we create valid products that make sense in the market space and what we teach, uh, but we also, you know, we'll make sure that you're getting training as well. So yeah, man, look forward to those training courses. We've never done EDC before uh, on a open to the public, right? Um, so I'm excited for those courses, and then I'm um, excited to get back on the road and start training. 
Yep. Um, PhilCraftSurvival.us, at PhilCraftSurvival, at PhilCraft Mobility, at PhilCraftSurvivalFit, <laughs> all on Instagram. You get guys can catch uh, Kurt at Kurt underscore Team PhilCraft. What else? Uh, are you talking about your account anymore? <laughs> oh, well, you can get me at, at Mike.A.Glover. I yeah. don't say it because it's just complex. <laughs> What's the A for? None yeah. of your fucking business. <laughs> right on. No, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hey, we'll keep delivering solid content um, and teaching lessons learned based off of our life experience and what we continue to experience as both entrepreneurs, veterans, um, and whatever else you want to call us, motherfuckers, I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. No, seriously, uh, we appreciate you guys. So until next time. Stay alert. Stay alive. Booyah. Booyah.